Good morning and welcome to the Men's Leadership Network. My name is Steve Horton. I'm the Communications Director here at Rolling Hills and it's my honor to be your host this morning. Um, as we go throughout the morning, uh, as with past weeks, you'll have an opportunity to be able to submit questions and so I want to point out some ways to do that. Um, the slide on your screen will show you that we have uh, three ways. You can email those in at questions at mensleadershipnetwork.org. Uh, um, or you can text them in, or if you're at one of our satellite locations, you can use the chat feature to be able to, to send those in as well. We will have some time at the end of our session today to be able to address those questions. Uh, our guest for this morning really needs no introduction. Uh, he's been a staple of leadership here in the Nashville community for over a decade. Um, but I'm going to take a few minutes to, to touch on some of the highlights of his career. Uh, Marty Dickens uh, began his career with AT&T in New York in 1969. He held a number of positions in the company, in the comptroller's office, public affairs, and regulatory departments prior to joining Bell South International in 1992. As the executive vice president of Bell South International, Marty was a member of the senior lead team responsible for overseeing management and growth in Bell South in, our, in their foreign operations. He served on boards of directors in Bell South um, in Brazil, Venezuela, Panama, Nicaragua, Denmark, Belgium, Israel, China, and New Zealand. Marty retired in October of 2007 as, uh, as he was sitting as the president of AT&T Tennessee. But as you'll see, retirement means different things to different people, and Marty was not interested in propping his feet up at a golf course in Florida. Since then, Marty has served on boards of more than a dozen organizations, including St. Thomas Hospital, the Nashville Area Chamber of Commer Commerce, Boy Scouts of America, the YMCA, and the Music City Center Coalition. He serves as a founding board member and lead director of Avenue Bank. He is chairman of the board of trustees for Belmont University, and he serves on the board of Genesco and Blue Cross Blue Shield Tennessee. As we dive into today's topic of uh, maintaining a healthy work-life balance, I see it only fitting to end uh, with something that Marty would tell you is his most important role in life. Marty is husband to Betty, he is a father of two sons, and he is Papa D to his three grandchildren. Please join me in giving a warm Men's Leadership Network welcome to Mr. Marty Dickens. Yeah. Marty, oh, this is great. Thank you so much for being here. Sure, Jeff. It's exciting. Just describe some of that. I mean, you've done so much, I mean, um, business-wise, and just describe some of that, some of the things that you really enjoyed business-wise, and then even what you're doing now on the different boards that you serve. Sure. Um, well, my entire career was in what was known as the Bell System. I started mm -hmm. with AT&T New York, and I was really spending most of my time in Washington, D.C. then. I was... Certainly, I was the rookie on the team, but I was on a, um, in the defense activities division, and we were negotiating the profit side of big defense contracts with the government. Uh, mainly, uh, at that time, it was a project called Project Caesar, which uh, provides, the, at that time, the sonophone systems that guard our coast. I didn't. I don't know anything about that, but I was on the team. Once they got the contract, I was part of the team that went in and negotiated, generally with at that time the Department of Navy, wow. and on that, and and stayed in that for a while, and then went into uh, the uh, another big project, uh, the ABM missile system, where uh, uh, AT and T was the prime contractor, and again not on the technical side, this time was on the finance side and uh, working in there. And that's where I met Betty mm -hmm. and my wife and uh, we fell in love and got married. And then we, the, uh, Richard Nixon signed the SALT agreement, which com immediately shut down this giant project for everybody. 
And fortunately, they really liked Betty, and they found us a job uh, in, in what was known as Southern Bell at that time. Mm. And at first, when they offered us the opportunity to move to Atlanta, from we were living in Greensboro, North Carolina. Then we, I was back out of New York. And um, I said, I don't want to go to work for the telephone company. I mean, I'm over here in this high-flying area, I thought. Mm-hmm. And... They said, well, you really need to do this. <laughs> you know, if you want to have a job, you really need to do this. So we did. And, and then I did a lot of different things in the, in the telephone side. Um, then, as it was said earlier, I had the opportunity to be in the beginning of starting up our international business. And wow. it was all wireless partnerships. We were always the majority owner, but we had businesses all over the world. And I got to... Uh, I'd never had to live out of the country. We were living in Atlanta, um, but uh, I had people that were in my organization working everywhere, and so I was traveling quite a bit, and, mm. the, and Betty and the boys got to experience a lot of that, and so I felt that was pretty good, working for the telephone company and uh, being in that side of the business for a while. And then in 99, we, we as a corporation, started looking at focusing back more domestically. The only reason we ever went in the international business was um, because of the constraints on us after the breakup of the Bell system. Mm -hmm. And we were not allowed to do the things that we could do offshore in our own country, uh, outside of our region, out of our nine state region. And then with the rewrite of the Telecom Act in 96, oh, and I forgot to say, in between all of that, and before going in international, I was, uh, I spent three years in Washington right after the breakup of the Bell System from 85 to 88. And uh, we started then, January of 85, um, trying to get the Telecom Act rewritten because they broke us up in 84 Mm. and created the baby bells. Y'all may remember that. And AT&T was left over here and the manufacturing side was split off and Bell Labs was split off. Everything was split off. But we had to rewrite the Telecom Act because... Um, we were left with one foot in a concrete bucket of regulation and one foot saying you could be, uh, you can compete, and we couldn't very well. So we worked on that for 12 years. I was only part of it for three. We finally, in 96, we got the act rewritten, and um, it started, once it was really implemented, we saw that, hey, we could do the th- very things we're doing all around the world back here in our country now. And so we sold everything uh, over the, from 99 to 2002, 2001. But I'm, I had the opportunity to come out of, of uh, international into to here, to Nashville, to mm-hmm. be over the state for the wireless and wireline business. And um, it was a great move. Moving to Nashville is the very best place we've ever lived. And we've lived in some great places. And, uh, so we've been blessed to be here. Wow. Well, I remember when you guys moved here, you know, mm-hmm. and you came and Jamie and John and just get to know your family. But that move from Atlanta here to be the president of AT&T Tennessee. And um, what I love, Marty, is, is watching you. You came here and you put down roots and you started making an impact in our community. That's been unbelievable. And uh, at, you know, the Music City Center, that's been something that was a dream of yours for a long time. Mm-hmm. And then to uh, be there when it was dedicated, mm-hmm. this had to be an incredible feeling, you know? Yes, it was. Um, 
We started working on that. We pulled together the first group in 2003 on the concept, and it took until 2010 to get started, finally get it approved and get started. And and someone that everyone here knows Mm -hmm. was 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 uh, instrumental in making that happen our good friend uh, Larry Adama my very close friend Larry Adama we needed a project manager mm. I was I was again this is another time where I'm in a, a leadership role but I don't know anything about what how to do it uh, how to do all the work but we needed someone who did mm-hmm. and uh, we reached out and Larry was available and he came, and the Music City Center, for those that have seen it, mm-hmm. uh, Larry was over the entire project as the project manager. And, um, of course, uh, we had a great working relationship. I always, a kid, uh, Larry, it's not necessarily kidding, actually. He would, um, he would call me, and he'll say, this is what you decided today. <laughs> or, you know, you signed this today. And I'd say, thank you, Larry. I'm glad to hear that. <laughs> and, uh, and, but, hey, I trusted him completely. And mm-hmm. we, on a $585 million project, we finished on time and under budget. Wow. That's, uh, so, uh, that's and amazing. And now we have this, we have, uh, this great uh, convention center, this new convention center. It's helped, been a part of putting Nashville yeah. even more on the map. Yeah. It's a desired destination location. Um, this weekend, mm-hmm. Masters yeah. Weekend, we uh, will have over 70,000 people from NRA wow. here. And when we first booked it, they were estimating that it would be uh, somewhere 45 to 50,000. And then their very next convention, they had 65,000. And so we will have in excess of 70,000 wow. this year. And at first I said... Uh, oh boy, that's that's great. It'll uh, at least it'll be safe downtown. They'll all be packing. Yeah. And somebody said, yeah, but then they'll be on Broadway drinking too. Yeah. So, <laughs> so you got to watch that. You, you got to watch that. Wow. Well, you know, I think it's an honor that you have the Marty Dickens Terrace. You know, at um, the Music City Center. So there's a oh, picture, goodness. you know, right there. And I just think that's a great honor to you. And you were Nashvilleian of the year. How do you do all of this? I mean, when we talk about work-life balance, the things you've been able to do and, and then still be a, a great husband, a great father, grandfather. I mean, you, how, do you, how do you do that? In your opinion, what's important to maintaining this work-life balance? Well, it's just that. It's, it's a balance and, and having... Um, well, let me back up on that. I can tell you what is important, what I think is important, and say first, I, you're very kind to say all the things you say. Betty might take issue with being the great husband uh, and the boys too on being a great father, um, but I s- strive mm-hmm. to be. Um, so the, the model that's always been part of our life together from the time I met Betty and in 71, of course, that's the best thing that ever happened to me, uh, no doubt about that, um, is that trying to make sure that I have separation, that it doesn't run over into, uh, work life doesn't run over into family life. Sometimes that can't be avoided, but for the most part, trying to make sure there's separation. In fact, the you and I may have talked about this along the way somewhere, um, 
but the, the model that I've used really is from Luke, and it's Luke 252. Mm-hmm. It's the last time we hear of Jesus. He's about, uh, as a child, um, he's about 12 years old, and uh, the, his, his parents realize when they're going home that he's not in a minivan, and they have to turn around and go back to Jerusalem and find him with the elders. And, and the very last verse of Luke is, uh, Jesus grew in wisdom and stature, and in favor with God and man. Mm. Well, I think that's definitely, uh, that's not just sort of the end. It's not sort of a, just a closing statement that's, okay, good, we'll, we'll pick him back up again at, at 30. Mm. I think that was uh, the model of his life uh, here. I mean, I like to believe it was the mm-hmm. model that he used and that it's a real message, just like every time we dig into the Bible, no matter how many times we've looked at it, it reveals something else yeah. and, or something additional. And, and this one, uh, I, I kind of took a look at it as a square, you know, and I put uh, wisdom and stature. And, and for stature, I mean, I think of it, this is my own ver- yeah. Yeah. Uh, view of it, is that stature is, in this case, not just the physical, physical side, excuse me, the physical side, but also about character mm. and integrity. And of course, um, wisdom is about, uh, it's not just education, Mm -hmm. it's about seeking the wisdom that only God can provide and leading your life, but having balance in that. And then it's God and man. Um, And of course, on the wisdom side is the whole work effort, uh, the whole career effort, especially for a man. Men are, Mm -hmm. you know, we all feel like we've got to always be striving and we've all got to be successful in whatever we do and we've all got to be in charge and we all have to solve the issue Mm -hmm. no matter what it is Uh, I know I do Mm -hmm. and um, so uh, so you have your wisdom and work and education and knowledge and you have your stature of taking care of your your body and yourself and and also making sure that you strive to be a person known for your character and then you have uh, your relationship with God and man, and 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 God, of course, is is uh, so is so central to all of this. Mm-hmm. And then and your family, uh, man. Um, I think that's not just relationships like you and I are, mm-hmm. are brothers in Christ, and we love each other. Mm-hmm. But um, your family is first uh, after God, mm-hmm. and. And so making sure that you have, I look at it as keeping it a square, Mm. keeping it a square and not letting anything move me away from the square. Now, there are times that I've let that happen, but I I strive not to let it happen so that my focus is right, especially with the balance, certainly my focus on God, Mm. but my balance between what I do and who I am with my family mm. and, and not letting those bleed over any more than, than I can possibly let it happen. Yeah. So that when I, I work, I try to work hard and, and do what I need to do. And then when I'm with my family, I try not to focus on that element mm. of my life. Because if you don't watch it as a man, I think we tend to let it consume us. Mm. And... Uh, and take us word. over, uh, even with respect to things we should be doing for our, 
family, especially your, uh, certainly your wife, but certainly when you have young children, mm. making sure you're there for them in all those respects. I think, yeah, I think that is so wise. And I love that square. I mean, and, uh, and, and the way that you brought out integrity and character. And, and Marty, I'll just, you know, you've been a mentor to me, you know, ever since you moved here. And, and, the, and the great part is being able to watch you. Um, you have this huge job, I mean, you know, and all these boards now that you're on and, you know, I mean, all the things you do in the city and everything else. But yet you have this character and this passion for Christ. And you've always been a spiritual leader as much as you have been a business leader and a community leader. And, and I, I appreciate that about you. You know, I remember one year when we did summer camp and uh, I don't know if you remember this, but we were coming back and the buses oh, broke no. down <laughs> and it's 110 degrees. And I look out there and you're pulling suitcases off and wringing wet with sweat. And, and I thought, you know, there's the president of AT&T out there. And the model that that is for those younger kids to say, it's about serving, you know, it's, it's, it's about giving back. It's about making a difference in the others. And I've always appreciated that about you. So well, you're very kind. Thanks for talking about that. What do you think the biggest challenges are when it comes to this work-life balance? Well, it's really playing into what we were just talking about. I, I think for, uh, you, especially for men, mm-hmm. I, I think we are, uh, we're t- always focused on the task and we're focused on our, uh, of solving it, mm-hmm. accomplishing it. And when it comes to our work, we want to be the very best we can be at that. Mm-hmm. You know, in Jim Collins' wonderful book, uh, Good to Great, which I think is one of the best ever written mm-hmm. about leadership, um, he says, determine what you're passionate about, uh, what you think you can be the best or believe you can be the best most, or most competent at, mm-hmm. and how you'll measure that success and go after it. Well, I think that's a great, I, I really love that book. I've given it to a lot of people, and I, I think that book is great. And it's about um, going after what you really want to do. But I think there's an element of it that's missing. Mm-hmm. Uh, not, no, he wouldn't say that. He's made a zillion dollars off this book. And I think it is a great tool. But... It focuses on competence. You know, it focuses on being the best at something, mm-hmm. doing the best at something. And I think in order for us to be at our very best, it's, it's a combination of both competence and character. Mm. Okay, and you can't, if you don't have character in what you're about, uh, the competence won't matter a whole lot. So I think it's so important, even there, that there's a real balance in how uh, we pursue what we're doing and why it's always so important in our work life um, that we do what's right every time, Mm. what's true, not, okay, you know, I can move the line just a little bit and I can be that much more successful or I can make that much more money or my business will be that much better. But in your mind, you're saying, oh, I I mean, I'm going to do this, but I know it's really not the very best thing to do. Mm. Well, I think as hard as it is and and, and not, again, I I don't want anyone to hear me saying everything is always, I mean, I'm just wonderful. But I've tried to focus on these things. And so when you focus on 
how important character is as with respect to uh, in comparison to and aside, alongside of competence, I think character <clears throat> starts driving everything about you. Mm. And, and so that helps you make wiser decisions with respect to uh, relationships at home and being there for your family, for your wife and your children, and for relationships with people both inside and outside of work. You know, Winston Churchill said a long time ago, he said so many great things, but he, you know, he said character is the first of all, uh, or the first or foundation of all human um, qualities because it's the one that underpins everything else. And it's not something that we are born with, but we have to strive for every day. Wow. As on character. And so that, that's, I, I really believe that statement. Mm-hmm. You know, we can go to school and, or we can work in a place and learn everything about that job and or whatever it is we're a part of. Mm-hmm. And we can really become an expert in that. But if we don't bring character, integrity to, and truth to that, then this won't be really good at the end. Mm-hmm. Or even along the way, in many cases, that's I mean, that's that's powerful. How um, you know you worked in AT and T, and so obviously technology has had a huge impact on business and on the way we live life today. How has technology impacted? Do you think that work-life balance in positive ways and in maybe negative ways? Well, the digitization of the world, mm. uh, driven by um, communications and all the aspects that touch that have it's been both a blessing and a curse mm-hmm. um, just like the iPad yeah. or our iPhones yeah. um, we are constantly 100% of the time in contact with everybody else mm. in the world if we want to be um, and it, it provides a while it's a wonderful place to be from a technology standpoint in so many respects it is also a tough place to be, mm. uh, especially if we're not wise about it. And if, if we're not careful, since we have it at our touch, right in front of us, mm-hmm. we don't put it down. Yeah. Uh, we don't separate it. Uh, we bring our work home. We bring it to dinner at uh, the restaurant mm-hmm. because we're, oh, oh I've, got to, I've got to do this. To, I, you know, this is, this is an important question. Well, if you back up a little bit and think about, well, we didn't have this stuff not too long ago. I mean, I'm very glad we have it. Oh, yeah. Okay. And I'm, I'm, I sometimes abuse it myself. And uh, so I'm glad we have it. But if we don't watch it, 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 it just consumes us. Mm-hmm. And uh, again, from a, uh, uh, men are worse mm-hmm. than uh, women in most cases. Not necessarily teenage girls, but uh, in work life, uh, in, when we're in a, uh, adults, if we don't watch it, we're on this thing all the time, mm-hmm. you know. And I'm constantly, uh, I'm constantly uh, dealing with Jamie, yeah. our younger son, who's in ministry, as you know. And in fact, you're his mentor and um, led him that down that path. Uh, but being, he's a youth pastor, and so. He's got these kids always texting him, always texting him. And so uh, 
have to, when I'm around him, I know he gets tired of it. I'll say, hey, look, put that away. You don't need to do this right now. You're with us. Mm-hmm. He said, but dad, there, I mean, this, this kid has got this question or this. I said, I know, but act like it's your, your battery's gone for just a little bit mm-hmm. and put it away. And let's just enjoy being here right now. Yeah. And, and he does pretty good at it, but not as good as I want him to. <laughs> uh, so I think, I think this is wonderful technology and it's only going to get better when nobody knows what it's going to be even oh, three yeah. years from now. Yeah. But we have to be very careful that we don't let it become who we are. You know, that we're known for the fact that we're always online. Wow. And uh, that there's never a time that we separate what it is we do uh, from who we should be. Mm. That's a strong statement. We don't let it become who we are. Right. And, uh, you know, I had lunch with a guy yesterday, and, I mean, he's been through some, some great things, but, you know, his business is, is blowing up. And he said, I just had to get to the point, you know, Jeff, we were talking about marriage. He said, I had to get to the point where I, I just left my computer at work. I, I couldn't bring it home because what I found was even during dinner, you know, or any, he goes, I'm just, my whole mindset's there. And I think as you were talking about that, this whole idea of being present, you know, of being present at work and doing a great job and you were so successful, you still are so successful in so many ways and, and yet being present at home and, you know, you have a great marriage, you have great kids because you were present, you were intentional and uh, I think that's something for all of us. I mean, for me, I mean, we go through seasons where it's so busy, you know, and there are times you have to step away from this. Yeah, I, I think that's exactly right. And I, I think in, in my case, and in, uh, I am so blessed mm-hmm. because God really looked out for me when he brought Betty into my life. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know her well. I know. She's and um, I mean, she is a rock. Mm-hmm. And she's always been there for me, but she provides that balance. She's always been tremendously supportive of what I was doing career-wise or interest-wise from a business perspective and always been supportive and always there, though, as uh, this great mom Mm. and wife, but great mom for our boys. And she has, uh, she's so, she's so founded, Mm. uh, she's so based that she's been so good for me Mm -hmm. along the way when when I was maybe thinking better of myself than I should and um, more of myself than I should Mm -hmm. and I was all that, you know, and and she would always uh, bring me back to earth. Uh, And so, you know, having that partnership Mm. is, is extremely important. Um, if, if it's going to be in your life, you know, if, it's, if that's the way your life goes and you marry having that great solid mm. partner who's there for you but helps you stay grounded too. Mm-hmm. That's important. Mm-hmm. And, and, and you have to work on that marriage. You, oh, know? Yeah. you know, it's not like you just go, I get married, check, now I go do my career. You know, yeah. you, you have to spend time and work and uh, I know just watching your life, I mean, you, you would take trips with Betty, you would take family vacations, those were priorities for you, mm-hmm. um, and important times of being with the kids, and, and so I think when you talk about this work-life balance, it is being intentional at work, but also being intentional at home, and, oh, yeah. you know, if you're going to have that kind of growing marriage. Absolutely. Well, our boys now are, well, John will be 38 in a couple of 
weeks, and Jamie's 32, I'll be 33 in August. And they're grown, they're married, and they each have children. John has two, and Jamie has one with another one due mm-hmm. in August. Um, and it's, um, you know, I think you really have to claim with children, um, you have to claim early in life when the Bible tells you that bring up a child in the way he should go, and when he's old, he will not depart from it. Now, with John, I didn't know how old he was going to have to get, but uh, uh, Jamie's always been a little more focused uh, on that. And I say that if John were listening, he'd laugh too. Mm-hmm. I mean, John is a good, good man. Mm-hmm. And um, our boys, because of their great mom, um, you know, they're, they're active in their faith. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're both at the same church in, yeah, and, um, in Atlanta. They live a block apart mm. in, in Atlanta. So the boys are close, and fortunately the girls like each other. Mm, that's great. And, yeah. And so, uh, and so the kids are growing up together. But Betty and I reflect, we drove back yesterday from Atlanta, and we've reflected on the fact that all those times when, when sometimes it might have been tough, uh, making a decision relative to um, raising the boys, saying no mm-hmm. on something that we were not popular. Actually, we're glad we did. Mm. Even because even the boys have, in years, recent years, have said, you know, I'm glad, I'm glad you, were, you did what you did or didn't let us do what we wanted to do. Wow. And, and that sort of thing. And, and I think being, being there and being a part of that, it's one thing if, if you can say no over and over, but if you're not really involved in their life, mm-hmm. um, it doesn't have the same meaning or the same impact mm-hmm. because there have got to be the times where you're really involved and active in their life uh, all along the way so that when you do say no, mm-hmm. um, they may not like you at that moment but they're going to love you over the long term. Mm, That's a great word. That's a great word. You know, as you think about this, Marty, I know that there were probably seasons for you when you were super busy at work. I mean, you know, whether it's Music City Center or AT&T or all the things that, you know, how did you handle those extreme busy seasons and yet still maintain some balance? The, the, The one, the most busy season were the... The uh, from '92 to '99, when we were building Bell South International, and I was gone a lot. Then we um, we you know we ended up we were all, literally all over the world with businesses. We were in a, we were in 11 countries in Central and South America. We were all over Western Europe and uh, not all over Western Europe, over a good part of Western Europe. We were in Israel. We were in India. We were in Singapore and Australia and New Zealand and China and so we were just everywhere and so I was on the road I was on the boards of a lot of those businesses and uh, and had people in all those businesses and so I was uh, traveling a lot again Betty was so solid in Mm -hmm. helping have that balance there but what I tried to do was um, since I had the good fortune of not having to live out of the country I tried to balance my travel so that um, I would leave late on a Sunday or leave. I didn't travel all the time, maybe two weeks a month, but I was gone. 
And so I would try to travel and get back. I would purposely try to get back before the end of the week or by Thursday and be home for the weekend and make sure if the kids were involved in sports that I was there uh, for the game. And then also going the extra mile to, to make sure they get to go with you mm-hmm. um, on time. So, so uh, that was a real, that was a real um, challenge mm-hmm. during that period. John was in high school. Um, Jamie was coming along. And, and so we had, a, you know, we had to work hard at it. It was probably harder on Betty than me. I mean, I got to, I got to get on a plane and fly somewhere and, mm. and do something, go to an exciting place. And she was there. Not, I shouldn't say probably. It was definitely harder mm-hmm. on Betty. And so uh, making sure that I was there uh, every chance I could, every moment I could be, and that I focused on that. I never, much as I love to play golf, I never, I seldom played mm-hmm. uh, while I was in international uh, I never played on the weekends because the weekends were when I would be home. Mm. And, and, and so I made that choice uh, because it was important to be there for the, for the boys and for Betty. That's huge. I, I, I'm so glad you said that because I think that's exactly right. You have to choose, you know, and uh, you have to be intentional because there are seasons. I mean, when things are really busy at work and there are seasons where things are busy at home, but just being intentional on what you decide, you know? And uh, I think it's a misnomer to say there's a work-life balance because I don't know if you ever get that balance. <laughs> but, right. but there is different seasons and, right. you know, how do you manage those seasons? And, mm-hmm. and I think you're so wise in that. And, uh, yeah, I mean, to give up, you know, five hours on a weekend after you've been traveling all week to play golf, you know, you're like, okay, I can take the, a break from that and pour into my family because I need to be intentional sure. and be present. So that's, that's right. great. Great. I think we have a couple of questions that have come in. Okay. Yes, we've had, we've had several come in. Uh, the first one would be, what is a man supposed to do when he makes a mistake in life that is substantial, morally or financially or legally? He still needs to provide for his family. He still needs purpose. What do you think a man should do to be restored in the community? Well... You know, the, the thing about that is everybody makes mistakes. Mm. Some of them in our eyes are, and it may be even in the eyes of, 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 from a legal perspective, are worse than others. But we all do it. Mm. So I think the first thing is turning away from it. Mm. You know, um, admitting that you have this issue and, and asking for forgiveness. And then... Um, then working hard to show, uh, to rebuild that trust, that if you've lost trust, mm-hmm. um, in order to put things back on the right, right path. I think it's, it's wrong if we, as friends or family, decide because someone makes a mistake that we're not going to forgive. Mm. If uh, they're seeking forgiveness and re- their re- uh, to use uh, the biblical term, if they're repenting mm-hmm. from uh, from what has happened in their life or what they did wrong, mm-hmm. um, you know, I mean, look what uh, look what uh, Jesus has done yeah. for us. Yeah. <laughs> and so, if we can't do it for our, our fellow yeah. family member, mm-hmm. uh, then there's something wrong about our 
perspective. Um, now, um, and the question was, hey, I, if someone's done something wrong, and they, how do they write it? So that's some, that question is, the way I read that question, that, that question is saying, hey, I want to make it right. Right, yeah. Okay? And so we, as loved ones and friends and family, we have to help them. Mm-hmm. We have to be there for them, stand beside them, mm-hmm. and let them know that, okay, I don't like what you did, but I love you. Mm-hmm. And so we're gonna, together, we're going we're gonna to get this right. Yeah. I think that's huge. I, I would even say to that question too, just that you start rebuilding and it, it took a while to get to that point. It's going to take a while to get out of that point. Exactly. You know, do those right things. Work on the character and the integrity side, like you were saying. That's, that's as important as the confidence or the money mm-hmm. or anything else. I mean, you've got to have that foundation. That's a great insight. So, Yeah, we have another one here. How did balancing work and family change through the years as your kids to age through different stages of life and eventually grew up? That's a good question. That's a, that's a really great question. Um, you know, I don't actually, it, it changed because of age and, and what they were focused on and where they were chronologically and, and from a, um, a maturity standpoint. And so the focus changed and, and all that that from that standpoint but as far as making sure that you provide that one-on-one time that balance in your life and that you're giving to your family it doesn't change mm. you know it's just a different season mm. but it's the same same requirement of of you as a father and as a husband with your family and to Today, with both boys, I mean, they're grown, they're out of college, they're working, they have their careers. Um, fortunately, they, they want us in their lives, and we spend a lot of time mm-hmm. helping or being there, uh, taking care of, of grandchildren or going on, you know, it's amazing uh, going on vacation with our kids. I, I always say to them, I said, it's amazing where y'all will go as long as I'm paying for it. You know? <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, you know, but making sure that you are, uh, that you are involved, always involved, that you don't decide, well, they don't need me right now. I mean, they'll let you know if they don't need you, but I don't think that ever happens. And so it didn't really change how, I mean, it might've changed what you're involved in, but it's still the one-on-one. It's still being there Mm -hmm. for them. Uh, it's just a different set of circumstances at that time. No, that's important. Uh, I thought paying for them ended at college. How that? It, it, look, I always, <laughs> I always say that they are never off the payroll. Oh, never off the payroll. <laughs> you know, in one way or the other. We got time for one more. We have time for one more. Um, talk about quantity of time versus quality of time with family and community, which yields a greater influence in your family. Well, you know, the, the thing about that, I think we tend to use that sometimes as a crutch hmm. uh, or a way to justify not spending quantity of time. Hmm. Because quality it can be defined differently by the giver and the receiver, hmm. uh, the purchaser and the seller. And in family relationship, uh, I don't think 
um, I think it has to be, uh, uh, it's not either or, it's both. And so I think quantity with quality is, um, is what it's really about. Mm. You know, you could, the very thing we started talking about, I could be with, if our boys were teenagers right now or, or children right now, or if our, I can just use our grandchildren. If I was with our grandchild all day long, but the whole time I was on my iPad or my iPhone and texting or answering emails, that's not quality. Mm. You got great quantity, but no quality. And so I don't think we should use, I think we should, re, we should look at it. It's going to be both quantity and quality. Mm. I'm going to be there as much as I can be there. And when I'm there, I'm going to be focused on them. Our eyes are going to meet. And I'm going to be involved in their, their life mm-hmm. uh, so that they, when they are older, mm-hmm. uh, they're going to say, you know, um, my dad or my granddad was there for me. Yeah. Uh, That's awesome. That is, I, I think, the spot on. You know, as I listen to you, Marty, it just, I mean, this whole thing comes back to you set priorities. You know, when you were in your career, you, you set priorities and that family and God, I mean, they, that's going to be priorities. And, you know, because work is always going to demand more time. I mean, they're going to take as much as they can get, right? And, uh, and then you set boundaries, you know, and what you would do and where you would go. And, uh, and I think that's so important for all of us and just that you were intentional. And, and I think for all of us, a lot of people just in our careers and, you know, many people are successful in doing things, but if we're not intentional with God first, you know, and our family second and then work, then it, work will consume us. And, yeah. you know, I got some great advice uh, when I went to, if I might share yeah. this, I went to uh, Washington in 80, January of 85, and I was working, we, we had to create the Bell South um, office in Washington before the vestiture or the breakup of the Bell system, AT&T, which owned everything, did all the work in Washington, all the federal um, w- legislation and administrate lobbying work for both Congress and uh, the administration and, and dealing with the Federal Communication Commission, which deals with telecom businesses. And, you know, I was excited about this opportunity. We, I was part of creating um, this, this office there and um, had an opportunity to work with a guy that was considered the dean of telecommunications lobbyist. He was from Mississippi, had risen to the top of the, the, uh, the deal, the pile in AT&T uh, doing that, and at, br- at the breakup of the company, he wanted to get back into what was then what went from Southern Bell and South Central to Bell South. He wanted to be a part of that, and so um, he was hired away, and he was over all of our Washington office. And one, I don't know, after t- maybe I'd been there th- three months, maybe a little longer, he came into my office one day, and he was this—he's just this great guy. Uh, not was he still is this great guy and he came in he sat down and he was asking me about certain things I was involved I was involved with uh, with certain committees on the hill in both the house and the senate but my major focus was the administration which was when Ronald Reagan was president so that was a great time to be working with the administration and 
I was telling him all this stuff I was doing. And the tonight, you know, in Washington, you could work 24 hours a day. Oh, yeah. There's always something. So I was telling him all this stuff I was doing. He was sitting there listening. He said, well, that all sounds good. He said, but I want to give you some advice. And I kind of smiled. I said, okay. <laughs> and he said, um, he said, this job is not the end. The end is that as your wife, Betty, and your two little boys. And he said, so uh, this job is a means to that end, and I don't want you to ever forget that. You make sure that you're taking care of your family always first. Uh-huh. Now, this is the guy that's over all of this stuff. And uh, one of the most, uh, you know, I was not an officer of the corporation at that time, and he was a senior officer, and to hear someone like that, it had a significant impact. I thought I was impressing him with all I was doing. He was not impressed with all of my activity if it was taking away from my family. Wow. That's strong. That's strong. Well, Marty, thank you for being thank here. You. I really appreciate it. Can I pray for us? Let's Absolutely. pray right now. Father, thank you for this morning, God, and for just truth. And God, I thank you for Marty and living his life in a way to bring honor to you and glory to you. And thank you for his family. I pray a blessing on his family today, God, that you just continue to use them in a mighty way, Father. And, um, and God, I pray that we would be men after your heart, that we would be godly husbands and fathers, that we would do well in what you've called us to do, but that our priorities would be set on you and our family and then our career. And so, God, we love you and we dedicate our lives to you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. 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 Thanks. Thank you. Well, thank you all for being here this morning uh, as we all strive to be better leaders, uh, both at home and in our communities. Um, I want to invite you back next week as we have special guest uh, Liz Anderson, or Kim Anderson, excuse me. Uh, She is a counselor and life coach at Anderson Consulting, and she'll be speaking on the topic of how to have a great marriage. This will be our final men's leadership breakfast uh, of the season, so you want to make sure to mark your calendars for that. Look forward to seeing you all next week.